Hello F1 fans and welcome to F1 on and off the track with Kim Elman. You can see his photos at ProStarPicks.com or read his latest F1 blog at KimElman.com. My name is Adrian and in this episode we're talking about the Chinese Grand Prix. We are. Are you excited for this one, Kim? Yeah, not so. I don't, look, I don't love the place. The track's nice and wide. It's a nice track. Thankfully, they've got buses that run around inside and outside, but it's just a soulless joint, quite frankly. They struggle for patrons. They've got a whole stand where at the one end of the track where they've had to put some signage up over the top of it because they couldn't fill any people in the stand. And In fact, they've even lost the stand on turn one, which was the best place to be. It's this marvellous little tightening corner. And uh, they used to have a stand at Turn 1, but I think it was deemed unsafe, so they oh, okay. just took it down. So there's no spectators at that end of the uh, pit straight. Interesting. We'll get into that in just a moment. Let's talk about uh, how you get there. What's the flight like? Yeah, well, thankfully from Perth, it's not my worst flight. So it's about seven hours to Hong Kong, hour and a half on the ground, and then a couple of hours to Shanghai. And then it's uh, a $250 cab ride to the hotel. Wow. Oh, it's not a cab, it's a car with a driver. But my gosh, it's Tokyo prices. Really? So um, I was going to stay in the city because there's so much more on offer. But my gosh, it's hard to get out there. It's only about 30 k's, but it's at least an hour in a car. And if you take the train, it's an hour and 20 plus 20 minutes to get to the train station at the city end. So really the decision was made that I just go out there and stay at the track. And it's only a 7k uh, hike there and hopefully I can find a bike that I can buy or rent and use that to get there and back. So is it a very packed city then? Oh, the city's crazy once you get into town and the traffic's reasonably bad. Not as bad as, say, Seoul. But once you get out to the F1, Mm. it's not not a widely attended event. So what is the track like? Wide, thankfully. So there's uh, plenty of overtaking opportunities. There's a monstrous straight that leads uh, into a hairpin at the end. Mm -hmm. And they have on both sides of that straight, because it's a little like a U-shape, they have these uh, stands with lily pads over the top, big lily pads. And Mm. it's a a lovely thing to photograph because really there's not much else there to, to shoot really. Once you get around the back of the track, if you look around left and right, there's just wire fencing. And really, nothing of any great note. Not too great for photography, Not then. pretty. So there's not much around the track. Is it just kind of around the starting zone? Yeah, it's the pit straight, uh, which they have a big grandstand. And, and the pits are lovely, very modern. Paddock is a shocker. Mm. It's 40 metres wide, a few hundred metres long, I think. But just nothing in there. It's yeah. just concrete. And uh, when you come from somewhere like Melbourne, which is beautiful... Or even Bahrain, which was spectacular, certainly with their palm trees down the middle. You think, why don't they do something like that? All the teams have their hospitality suites out the back, and there's lovely grassed area. So there's the track, then you've got pit lane, then you've got the garages, then you've got this 40-metre expanse, this no-man's land, and then this lovely grassed area with little lakes and um, ponds winding through it, and the different teams have their headquarters in there, their hospitality suites. But it's a real hike to get to them. Uh, look, if you can get a driver walking through the greenery, quite lovely. Yeah. But uh, there's no one spot where you can stand and see everyone. They come out of about three different paths. Sounds a bit like a hedge maze where you just got it, to guess which exit they're coming out of. It's not dissimilar to that. And uh, so you end up thinking, right, well, today I'm going to focus on these three teams. Then tomorrow I'll go down and focus on these three and leave the remaining four till the last day. Is it true that there's no cars allowed around the area on race day? 
Yeah, they, they closed the streets off uh, about a kilometre and a half from the track. So if you happen to want to drive in there, uh, like with a taxi and get dropped off, forget it. You can't get in there. If you've got a media pass, fine, which um, I have, but unfortunately you ca- I can't even rent a car in China. Oh. Foreigners cannot rent cars in China. So there's no, no chance of us renting a car and saving quite a fortune on uh, drivers and the like. You have to use one of their drivers. And if you've got a media sticker on the car, yes, you can break this 1.5k exclusion zone. Otherwise, you're just walking it for the last k and a half unless you catch the train, which drops you off a little closer to the track. Does it interrupt a lot of traffic from the area? Well, the race is on a Sunday, obviously, so it's a, it's a non-work day in China. It's out in an industrial area, so I don't think the traffic's terribly bad. Mm. But I, t- I do remember getting caught the first year. I didn't make the same mistake the second <laughs> one, I promise you. It also looks, I was going through your photos from last year, and it looks very cloudy and dark and rainy at uh, during the China F1. Polluted, I think, might be the word. Okay. Grey skies. Oh, in fact, when was it? Was it last year or the year prior? We couldn't even run a whole session because it was rainy and there was fog and the helicopter wasn't able to take off. So oh. it wasn't safe. So they couldn't run the session because the, one of the rules is you have to be able to get your helicopter uh, with an injured driver or person uh, to a medical centre and because that wasn't uh, ha- happening, able to happen, yeah. they just had no running for a whole 90-minute session, which for the um, people watching on television must have been hellishly boring. It was boring for us. Yes, yeah, not that interesting. So with the wet weather, though, what's it like shooting in the wet weather and how does the photography change? It adds another degree of difficulty. You, you need to have your wet weather gear handy and... Oh, I've been guilty a couple of times of leaving mine back in the hotel, and of course then it rains and you're shot. But if, assuming you've got wet weather gear, which covers you and your cameras, you, I would normally take out a little bit less kit if it's raining because I've only got a long lens and camera and a slightly shorter lens and camera with the, the applicable wet weather kits that uh, house them. So you get different shots though, and if you can get the car coming head on to you, there was a beautiful shot in Malaysia that I never got, but uh, Clive Mason did, and it was beautiful. Uh, a car, just after the rain, it's coming towards you. Behind it, there's this beautiful forest, green forest, and there's this plume of white spray all around the car. Just beautiful. So, I, look, I don't mind shooting in the rain uh, if I'm well prepared. You can get some very beautiful shots by the sounds of it. Yeah, different stuff, and you get that bright red, those red lights at the back of the car cutting through the spray oh, yeah. is nice. You can even go close onto the wheels and get just the spray kicking up off the, the wheels. There are a lot of options. It just adds uh, a degree of discomfort that I'd rather do without, but once dealt that card, you just play it. You mentioned earlier about the grandstand on turn one has been, is that removed now? Gone completely. In fact, only this morning I was looking at some photos from when the first race was, which was back in uh, early 2000s. I think it was Felipe Massa in 2004, but I'll stand corrected. And yeah, this this stand wrapped right around that first corner to a fair degree. But as I said, no longer there. There is, at the end of the straight, mm-hmm. thankfully, a platform for us to stand on and shoot the cars coming okay. towards us. And there are a couple of holes lower down. You can get a ground level shot as well. But that, that first corner is quite remarkable for sparking. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we go to the outside of the track, about 150 metres from where they turn right into mm-hmm. that corkscrewy little uh, corner, they kick up some tremendous sparks. And with, a, say, a 600mm lens with a 1.4 converter, if you're good enough to be able to hold it nice and steady and pan with the car, yeah. 
you can do some marvellous stuff there. I, I nabbed a couple of shots last year and I was with some of the best who, when I saw their stuff, I thought, yeah, okay, a bit of work to be done here. <laughs> Not to put your work off, there were some great spark shots last year that I, I found. But on the grandstand thing, is that probably a, a side effect of not a great turnout to the China Grand Prix? No, that was purely a safety thing that uh, I believe. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, my my fellow photographers say that that was a safety thing and it had to be pulled down. Okay. Because I would have thought that would have been a great spot to watch because you mm. get to see them coming towards you and then um, turning right down into that corkscrew. Had there been any issues, like safety issues? Uh, I think something happened. Okay. I don't know, perhaps I should have done some research. So how is the turnout then for the Chinese Grand Prix? Yeah, uh... I was going to say dismal, but on race day it's not bad. But certainly when we shoot practice, lots of empty seats, mm. lots and lots. And on the main straight it's not too bad because the seats are all different colours and uh, it allows you to do some nice panning stuff and get a bit of colour in the shots. And some of those other stands that were under the lily pads for memory, there's not a great deal of colour, mainly the same coloured seats, so it's, it's a dull background. And it's also a bit depressing when you roll up there for, say, FP1, and you look up in the stands and there's six people in a section that would seat 250. Mm. They're not good for atmosphere. No. They do have on Thursday a um, spectator's opportunity to come out and get yes. autographs. And look, if you contrast China with Italy, China, they're three deep uh, around a probably a fence that would be, I'm guessing, 100 metres long in total. Mm-hmm. And they, they come and go. You go to Monza... And they would be 20 deep for 350 metres and crazy, Mm. pushing and shoving and all sorts. But uh, I guess if you wanted an autograph from a driver, this would be the place to come. You've got a fairly good chance. And you wouldn't even have to queue up there for hours to get the front spot. You could just rely on someone moving out and you can take their position. Yeah, they did look like some, well, not many, a lot of like dedicated fans that Mm. were getting like lots of selfies and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and Lewis has a, a, a good fan base there. I remember the first year I shot, all of his fans hung around at the end of the race after he'd won, and it's probably about an hour, maybe 45 minutes to an hour, mm. and uh, he came out and honoured them with uh, a, a selfie and popped across the other side of the track and stood in front of them for the media to come over and take a photo of his fans behind Lewis celebrating. So, yeah, he, he's well represented, lots of flags and signs up for him. He's the one that stands out to me. Look, there would be other drivers who have support as well, but Mm. Lewis stood out. F1 On and Off the Track is presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. Head to ProStarPix.com at the end of this podcast. You already mentioned the paddock, but what's the media centre like? I believe there's a balcony you can shoot from? Yeah, there is. Uh, look, for a start, it's on the, I think, ninth floor of one of the towers. So uh, it's not that quick. Like, if you see something happening on the track, you've got to grab your stuff, run 100 metres to the end of that building, get in a lift, go down, and probably another 60, 70 metres to get out to the track if something's going on, perhaps mm. on the Thursday. So you are somewhat uh, away from everything, but beautiful. It's really classy, and there's a canteen for us right at the edge of our media centre so you can just walk down there for 10-15 seconds grab a meal and come back and continue working at a desk which is great so it's a modern facility purpose-built for this race 
And if they could just get more people there and have more of an atmosphere, it would be great. And if they could blew up the sky a little bit, well, that's that's a real drama. Just grey skies. So if they had more people, it could be one of the more exciting events. Yeah, I think I think the track is good for overtaking. It's um, good for photography in the right light, which I've never had. And the accommodation around the track's pretty good. Excellent. Let's talk about your time in China last year. I think leading up to the event, there was a couple of notable moments I want to talk with you about, such as you had a bit of a crazy bus ride on day three. Can you tell us Did about I? that? Did I? What happened? <laughs> I uh, remember. Your blog post says uh, that there was a bit of a crazy driver doing like 100 oh, down suburban yeah. roads. Well done for researching that. Uh, he just had all of us on the media bus petrified. We were okay. till, shouting out, slow down, slow down. Because it would have been in a 60 kilometre an hour zone doing 100 plus. Yeah. And as you know, those Chinese buses aren't that flash. Mm. They have to stop in a hurry. It's not going to stop on a dime. So was that a media bus that everyone who was doing yeah. photography and stuff catches? Oh, chew? no, no. That's yeah, that's from a hotel. We were staying at one of the hotels, the media hotels yeah. out there. Okay. And um, every day we get bus to the car park and then get another bus back uh, to the paddock. But uh, this guy was he's crazy. We, li- we live to tell the tale. <laughs> Another moment I want to talk about is your son Tyler took a great photo of Seb's strategist, Inyaki. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, that was in Melbourne. Um, but a couple of... Was it last year? Yeah, that, he took the photo in Melbourne. But I took the photo with me, the print, with me to China. And I gave it to Inyaki and I said, look, I don't know whether you've seen this. And he hadn't. It was a beautiful photo of him and Seb celebrating after the Melbourne event. And uh, I said, would you be able to get one sign for me you sign it Seb sign it and uh, I've got a copy for you and Seb well he loved the picture Mm. Um, got it done within a couple of hours and promptly got it back to us it was a lovely thing because um, Seb made a lovely comment about the picture and as you know with your kids uh, when your kids he's 18 Mm. at the time he was 18 took this beautiful photo in fact it was two years ago and uh, that proudly hangs in his bedroom at home oh that's very cool jumping back to the event though what is the grid procedure like at these events? Who gets access and that kind of stuff? Yeah, uh, it always had me floored when I watched it on telly. Who are these people? How do they get down on the track 10 minutes before the start of the race? So in general, the teams get an allocation of passes that allow them to take people onto the grid. All permanent media are allowed onto the grid. Now, permanent is a red pass. Well, this year is purple pass. But it means that you've done... 14 races the year prior and that qualifies you to go to any race without having to apply for accreditation. Okay. As a permanent photographer, I'm allowed to go on the grid. There'll be other guests of F1 as well, but it is very much a closed affair and it is absolutely crazy. Uh, I couldn't tell you the numbers of people on there, but when you're down there, it's a throng and you have to watch all the time for cars coming through. Mm. You have to watch for people coming left and right of you, TV people walking backwards and you're (laughs) taking photos and there's collisions going on. It's quite remarkable. And when when you look at, say, uh, in the paddock, if we're waiting for drivers to arrive, we might get 25 photo opportunities before the session. When you're out on the grid... There's something happening everywhere around you. So there's a million photos to be taken out there. And what are we out there for? 20, 25 minutes tops? And we have to vacate the grid 10 minutes prior. And that leaves all the teams to get their cars ready and get them off on the parade lap. Yeah. But certainly uh, the pit lane opens 
Now, I'm guessing it's, it's between an hour and 45 minutes before the start of the race. It's one of the rare opportunities, too, that we get to stand on the pit wall and shoot the cars coming out onto the track because what they do is they come out onto the track through the pit, they do a hot lap and just warm their car up, then they come back in and they go into pit lane and they traverse pit lane because obviously there's so many people on the grid they can't Mm. drive through there. But that's a real opportunity for us to get a shot. And in China, there is a shot where if you stand on the pit wall, you shoot the cars coming towards you as they come down the hill in the pit entry uh, lane, and behind them there's some buildings. Now, if it's not too smoggy, it's a good shot. But every time I've tried it, it's been smoggy. So maybe, fingers crossed, that uh, you'll be able to see these buildings in the background because it's it's a great shot. And there's no fence uh, in the background because they're cresting. You can see straight under the car, no fence, buildings in the background. It's an opportunity for me Mm. to get a shot. Well, hopefully this is a year you can get it. Oh, I live in hope. Most importantly, last year, Daniel Ricciardo won the Grand Prix here, coming behind from sixth. Uh, it looked like they had some exciting moments in the celebration. Can you tell us what Park Verme was like at that time? Oh, yeah, he did this marvellous jump off the car. Mm. And uh, I was front and centre, had a great spot to shoot that. He, he really celebrates because, obviously, he doesn't win that often. He's a great man. And, like, if you find Daniel's going to get on the podium in a winning position, you want to be on that front row and catch him in Park yeah. Verme. But it was also after he did a celebration shot out in pit lane as... Red Bull do, Mercedes do, Ferrari doesn't. Ferrari does not do a celebration shot if they win a race. If they win a championship, they do one. But Mercedes are out there after every win, and as you know, they win most races. (laughs) So there's plenty of opportunities. Daniel, I got him on the shoulders of one of his teammates holding the trophy, and he was looking around for Obviously, he tends to go to his photographers, and last year that was Getty. And I said, oh, Daniel, quick one for Australia. And I got him looking straight at the camera, holding his trophies, and it was a sharp shot. But once again, those sort of shots are very few and far between, and you have to be ready. Yeah. The camera has to be at the right settings. You have to have him looking at the camera. You've got to be the right distance. You can't be too close because, obviously, if you can't shoot him wide enough and you crop his hand or his foot or whatever, it's a lesser photo. Mm. So there's a lot that has to go right for you to get a good photo. And, uh, yeah, I was happy with both the jumping off the car shot and the shot of him celebrating in the pit lane uh, well after the event. My personal favourite was all the shots of him doing a shoey. Yeah, uh, you don't see that too often, so when you do see it, you photograph it and you just keep your finger on that shutter. Just as we start to wrap up, I wanted to ask about, on your Instagram, you do these spot the difference photos every now and Mm. again. How do they go down and what gave you that idea? What gave me the idea? I think I saw a book in a a news agency while I was travelling somewhere and thought, oh, I, I got these F1 photos, I should do that. And not that I'm good enough in Photoshop to be able to do that, so I have one of my crew do that. But, yeah, they go really well. Mm. And as the audience on my Instagram account balloons, they get more and more traction. And I put one up recently which had a very, very minor amendment, uh, the Canon logo on the front of a camera, which was very small in shot. Mm. And then you look at the logo itself, so it's very, very hard to see, especially on an Instagram feed. We changed the O to the A and backwards and forwards. But, boy, it took people several hours to come up with that. Many clues had to be given. So uh, if you look at it on a computer, it's much easier to find the differences. Look, even when he showed me, because my guy circles the uh, amendments he does, and I looked in the circle, no, can't see anything there. (laughs) What have you done? So it was tricky. So well done to whoever got that one. Yeah, those are excellent as well. If you want to check them out, you can see them at Kim Illman. On Instagram. 
but thank you very much for today. Do you have any closing comments? Oh, I do hope that uh, Daniel finishes a race. He needs to for his confidence. Mm. Uh, I would like to see Charles Leclerc win. Yeah. I think he's a very real chance, and he was just savagely uh, dudded last race with his engine developing that fault so close to home and pr- probably lucky too that uh, the safety car came out otherwise he may well have not even finished third yeah. and that would have been really depressing for him so things to look out for would be Charles Daniel to finish hopefully in front of Nico Hulkenberger well mm. that's going to be a little bit awkward if uh, Daniel can't beat Nico yeah. oh, but it is early days and yeah. Nico's had several years in that car but yeah there's a there's a bit going on in F1 this year and it's not exactly cut and dried, and I like that. No, yeah, it's definitely a shake-up in mm. 2019. Well, thank you very much, Kim. Pleasure. To see any of the photos we've talked about today, head over to ProStarPics.com or KimElman.com. You can also stay updated by following Kim on Instagram at KimElman, and do check out those Spot the Difference posts. If you like what you heard today, please give us a review, and remember to hit subscribe to stay posted for our next episode. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you on and off the track. F1 on and off the track was presented by ProStarPicks.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. ProStarPicks.com. Head there now.